2: It's 5.40 a.m. out here in Arizona. Um, I got to catch a car in 50 minutes. So I got to get running now to talk shit on this podcast. And uh, when I woke up this morning, saw Jay Hay, saw Dallas, and uh, we started talking about that little Manfred piece that came out. Mm. And uh, Evan Drellick had the clips, but apparently this was an interview that he
1: did with Time Magazine. Yeah, an interview with Time Magazine. A little sit-down with Uncle Manfred, Time Magazine, uh really pulled out some interesting nuggets.
2: I feel like that like the other executives in the MLB office, they have to sweat bullets whenever he talks publicly because he can't like he, he for whatever reason, even when he tries to say something eloquently or he's trying to just convey some sort of message. It comes out as a, a disaster. Like I not I don't. Disaster may be too strong, but people are going to take from this and say, "Well, uh, shouldn't have said that." I mean, it, we didn't even yeah. really talk about his comments about the Oakland A's a week ago, right?
1: No, no, we haven't talked about that. I don't uh, think he meant this- it the
2: way that it came out. Like it, it came out as but almost like the taunting. Oakland A's
1: fans. Absolutely. That is that is absolutely the problem is let's just remove. And and I have to say it this way. I I think maybe for obvious reasons, you guys will understand. Um, (laughs) Let's remove the specific fan base. Okay, let's remove the Oakland A's fan base Mm. from that scenario. And now let's just plug in the New York Yankees. Let's plug in the Boston Red Sox. Let's plug in the fucking Chicago White Sox where Rob Manfred is then backhanding your teams your favorite teams fan bases collective effort to take a stand for a feeling that they're having right and instead of acknowledging the situation instead of acknowledging the massive white elephant in the room a backhanded comment is what came instead so if you are a Yankee fan And he's like, oh, that's great. It it was really good to see 10 bleacher creatures out there because it's been two or three for the last, I don't know how long. (laughs) They almost filled up an entire section. That was cute. (laughs) Like, how would you feel? You know, and and how my point is, how do you have a steward of the game? How do you have the leader of the game? Supposedly Mm -hmm. saying things like that, because ultimately, what are fans? That's the fans are owners. They're, They're shareholders. But ultimately, Jeremy, the lifeblood of your product. There you go. And there's a word, though, that's used to separate them as fans, and that's called customers, Mm. right? So I look at you guys, you look at me, we look at each other as fans of this game. We know that we are consumers and ultimately customers, but when you boil it down and you avoid that consumer and you avoid that fan title and you just throw customer on it, Well, now it's easy to sort of deliver those backhanded comments because ultimately it tells you kind of how he thinks of baseball fans in general, not of just one specific organization, but in general. You're quite literally just a price tag. That's all you are. You're a number. You're a number. There is no desire to connect or empathize or sympathize with you as a fan and your plight working 20 extra hours of overtime so you can get the entire family tickets in a lower bowl section and you might show up a little early and get some field passes those cost a fucking arm and a leg so zero sympathy zero empathy for fans not a specific teams fans in this case yes a specific team but that's the messaging and to Jay point the problem is if it wasn't intended that way and that seems to always be the defense (laughs) it always comes off that way (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> All right. So let me ask you, Jay, Hay, as someone who's an outsider here, you have no <clears throat> emotional ties to the Oakland Athletics. Uh, can you can you see that he doesn't mean it that way? I feel like someone in Oakland is going to take it as a personal attack and the, like me reading it. I read it. And I was like, "Come on, <laughs> like, like I don't know how that can come out of your mouth." And it, like, some if so, if that exact quote from Manfred about the A's and their attendance, if I said that word for word, everyone listening to this podcast would know that that's tongue in cheek and that I am talking shit. But I, I think when we look at Rob Manfred and his tenure as MLB Commissioner, I think there's. It's quite the mixed bag. Like, I think that we we talk about these rule changes. These were things that he talked about wanting to implement from day one. When he first became commissioner, immediately we started hearing about rule changes. It took a long time for a lot of them to, to come into place. Um, but I think the feedback and the approval rating of said rule changes has been great i i, I think fantastic. it's been, yeah, fantastic overwhelmingly positive that's a yes. that's a that's a great badge of honor for his tenure but then we have these Oakland A's comments um and now the the Houston Astros things that well, that's a separate thing that we're going to talk about but jay hey how do you as someone who doesn't have their um, uh, emotions tied to the Oakland Athletics read those comments and and what was your reaction
3: it was great. It's great to see what is this year almost an average major league baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. <laughs> I, I, there is only one way to interpret that and I think it's as a smart ass comment. Um mm-hmm. and I I honestly don't I don't really care whether it was a smart ass comment that was delivered as such or whether it was a genuine comment that was delivered in a very clunky manner because we are so far past the point where Rob Manfred has lost the benefit of the doubt Mm. as it relates to these sorts of comments and basically every press conference that he gets. If I I can assure you that like as somebody who, uh, if somebody on this podcast were to have worked for major league baseball, social media at any point, (laughs) then I can tell you that like a Rob Manfred press conference is a is a potential dark cloud that hangs over anybody that has to operate or oversee social media accounts and the comments that follow that sort of press conference okay and i know that people outside of any mar- media marketing area of major league baseball are extremely conscious of the fact that these sorts of press conferences and interviews generate these sorts of comments like it's it it, it cannot catch people by surprise anymore I just wonder how much he reports to the owners right it, to some degree he is he is employed at their at their at oh, their yes. will, right so yes, yes. what I man. wonder ultimately is how much do the owners care that he comes off this way in these and I just have to reach the conclusion that they ultimately do not care because he go. executes their game plan uh, uh, when it really matters and behind the scenes and that sort of thing I just if he takes all the bullets for them. Or lots of them. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. If, if he takes lots of the attention away from uh, the owners, the negative attention, what are they to complain about as it
1: relates to that? That's well, kind of how that's, I see. it's yeah, like, like, think about think about the movie Armageddon, right? And what are they doing? They're getting ready to save the world. They're getting ready to do this great thing for this group of people, the group of people being the citizens of the world. But they're going through a list of people that they need to get this job done. And when you're doing that, you are overlooking, you know, like the major, major character flaws in an effort to get the best to do the job. Like, we got to pull this one guy where they're, they're pulling Steve Buscemi out of the fucking strip club. Right. Like the guy, the guy's getting ready to to blow a gajillion dollars on it. Like, nope, we got to have him, though. We need that guy. We need like the guy that's in jail. We got to get him out of jail. We, we need him, too. And it's like. We don't really care what's going on when you're off the oil rig. We don't. It's you're gonna do what you're gonna do, but when you're here, we need you to just we need we need you to go to bat. We need you to need you to be that dude. All right. So can you be that dude for us? And if that's the case, when you're off the rig, fuck, have at it, buddy. Have at it. The world is your oyster. But when you come to work for us, we're gonna need you to. You know. So they're okay. They're like you said, Jay. It's it's. It feels like it's okay as long as the work or the dirty work gets done, as long as he's rolling up his sleeves. And to that point, he is. And,
3: and to that comment, like it's always helpful to remember what his background is within Major League Baseball. Like When he succeeded Labor. Bud Selig, one of the primary objectives, I would imagine, with all the incoming TV money that was happening around that time and the, inf- and the massive boon in money-making and franchise valuations that were happening at that time, You would think if you were an owner or a group of 30 owners, one of your primary concerns would be long term would be we need to make sure that we are accumulating as much of this new money, incoming money as possible and limiting the power of what is a really, really increasingly powerful uh, union within the game. And I Rob Manfred's background as the lead labor union dog or labor dog on the MLB side I think, plays right into that. So that's that's what they're primarily concerned about. And these clunky interviews are just, I think, ultimately a very small price for them to pay um, is how it's viewed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because uh, there's no there's no arguing that what has happened with the rule changes and things like that have made an impact. And I think for the most part, a positive impact. For sure. It's just, again, unfortunate that the individual at the tip of that spear has had the issues communicating with and about customers of the game slash folks that I'd like to call fans. And that is where things ruffle feathers. And optically, it is just about as unideal as it could be. And I don't think in the
3: modern game we should be anticipating that a commissioner should ever be a beloved figure from the vast majority of baseball fans. Like, that's no. never going to be the case. And that's not the case in mm-hmm. any sport, by the way. Like, you can go around the big f- four or whatever it is. And while I would guess that Adam Silver has the Adam highest Silver? job approval yep. rating of those commissioners, mm-hmm. like, he he's not a perfect commissioner and has had plenty of issues that if Rob Manfred had done them, I think would have received a lot more criticism. But because he's Adam Silver... And he's he established a little bit of credibility off the off the bat. He gets a lot more runway on that sort of thing. But nobody's ever going to be like a everybody loves the commissioner, cheer the commissioner on like it's it's much more natural for fans to hate or dislike or or lodge complaints with that
1: person than it would be to be a fan of the commissioner of of a sport. Well, and and it's because he's got to make the decisions that impact the game. And those are tough decisions. And that's not for everybody. And in that spot. You're going to be making decisions that piss essentially half the crowd off, right? Every time you make some sort of move, you're probably going to piss roughly 50% of people off. That's a, that's a tight spot to be in. It's a tight space to operate in. So you develop some Kevlar, you develop some, some thick skin and the arrows and the attention that you're taking away from the ownership group is something that you just kind of learn to do as you navigate through the occupation, and the processes that you go through as a commissioner. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't I don't need to like him. I don't have a desire to like the commissioner of our sport. I appreciate what that individual has to do. It's a very tough look, though,
3: when oh, we yeah. start
1: backhanding the customer base. That's the problem. When fans of this game who are responsible ultimately for all of us, Jared's up at 530 in the morning on the West coast for the first time in his life because baseball fans, because of, because of the folks that are listening to this, nobody else. That's the only fucking reason. And that goes all the way to the top of the ladder. The only reason he had a microphone in his face is because of the fans of this game. And that's the group he choose to backhand. I don't understand.
2: it. Yeah. I, I just, I just think that when it's not a good sign when i see rob manfred's face on the headline of an athletic piece and mm. my first reaction is this is gonna be good <laughs> that's not <laughs> like any time that he he opens up uh the floor to questions or it's like some sort of deep dive where i've you know i've got to really i've got to open up about this subject and you're like okay where give me the cliff notes what are all the nuggets on this and more often than not that that's the case like that is the case with with him um but yeah i was curious because we never we never really hit on him talking about the the oakland a's and uh you know if you just because i've never heard it I, I don't know if it was heard i don't know if it was just a written quote or what
1: oh no it was heard i heard only
2: it. ever okay because i had only ever read it and when you read it it totally comes off as backhanded like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they 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 had some fans out there. That's nice. Like they don't normally have them. So that's good that they had them tonight, you know. Mm-hmm. Just c- completely shitting on a night where Oakland A's fans were were the story in Major League Baseball. Like the win, the the attendance, the crowd reactions, it was a nice positive story in a season where it was nothing but dog shit that they had to deal with. And then you've got the commissioner saying, "Well, you know, maybe, maybe if you did that every night, then you'd well, and, and it
1: just, it's just very like in <laughs> the first, taunting. the first line of his opening, the first line <sighs> of the opening of the statement was he was asked, did he see what was going on? And he said, yeah, I was at dinner with the owners. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> interesting. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, we start there, but, um, you know what, I'm uh, Jake, how do you feel about doing the Blue Moon read yourself?
3: <clears throat>
2: I can do that. Yeah, Jake, Jake crushes the Blue Moon ad reads on uh, Name Redacted. I feel like the folks at home will uh, love his Blue Moon ad reads here as well. Beer is
0: a tried and true baseball tradition, but Blue Moon is the only beer brewed by baseball. Blue Moon was born in a ballpark, first brewed at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. Make it your one-of-a-kind baseball tradition whether you're at the park or watching from home. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander... Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind? Its bold flavor, bright color, and iconic orange slice ritual will guarantee a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful, bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a Blue Moon but you can enjoy it all season long. Keep baseball traditions alive with Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for baseball merch and visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly, Blue Moon Brewing Company Golden Colorado Ale.
4: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile.
2: This came out yesterday. Uh, Headline, Rob Manfred's second guesses giving Astros players immunity in the cheating scandal. Uh, Nearly four years later, MLB MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred thinks that perhaps he should have tried to suspend Houston Astros players after all. In a wide ranging interview with Time, the commissioner said that he would like a do over on, quote, some of the decisions surrounding the Houston situation, referring to the Astros electronic sign stealing scandal. Quote, I'm not sure that I would have approached it with giving players immunity, Manfred said as a follow up question from a reporter. Uh, once we had once we gave players immunity, it puts you in a box as to what exactly you're going to do in terms of punishment yeah no shit dude <laughs> you gave them immunity you can't do anything what are you talking about uh, i might have gone about uh the investigative process without that giant without that grant of immunity and see where it takes us starting with i'm not going to punish anybody maybe not my best decision ever
1: <laughs> well there there are some other points in the article that are made though um as much as that sounds like a no-brainer like well that typically it happens with immunity mm-hmm. is your hands are then tied from there on out you're going to mm-hmm. be told all of the secrets you're going to be told where all of the bodies are buried but you don't get to go dig them up now do you, do you see how that works that's kind of how that works that's how that exchange yeah. goes so the problem i is- wish i didn't
2: give them immunity it really limited the the amount of punishment i was able to give the players.
1: <laughs> that's like saying I really wish I wouldn't have sold those pair of sneakers because that really got in the way of me keeping those pair of sneakers <laughs> now that I think about it if I never would have sold them I would have been able to keep them that's still happening oh, right now son
2: sucks.
1: Of a, I, I don't know what got in the way though it might have been that whole monetary mm. exchange where I didn't give up the product knowingly and willingly and receive compensation for it I think that is probably yep. what got in the way of that and that's exactly what happened. I got paid all of the answers I was looking for. And in return, I compensated well, them with immunity.
2: Well, all right. So then, Joseph, but, yes or hold no? On, hold on. Was it the, the problem, correct decision?
1: The, what? Well, the problem is, though, and this is this is detail that should be understood, because Rob Manfred essentially could have found himself, and they talk about this, in a position where you're unable to actually Punish a player because of the union's stance or potential stance that there was no clear cut indication on what rule breaking took place, and there was no clear cut indication prior to that rule being broken on what the punishment would be. So, typically, we're not able to punish people if they aren't aware. Of One, what the infraction could be, and two, what the punishment for said infraction could be. So that was a slippery slope that they were trying to walk, they being Major League Baseball and the commissioner's office, in trying to find these answers is, all right, if we get the answers, are we going to find ourselves in a pursuit of punishment in a place where not everything was clearly explained and communicated prior to? to these rules being broken? And would that then leave us in a place where we can't punish these players because we haven't done our due diligence in outlining what the infractions are and what the punishment for these infractions are? So that's just something that you have to keep in mind. You have to be aware of because it's easy to just go, oh, immunity? Well, what'd you fucking think was going to happen? But you also have to realize their effort to try to extrapolate as much information as possible. So I don't the, know, who would me, they, who would they even of, punish? What's that? Who, who would they
4: even punish?
1: Well, that's what the article kind of outlines is. It says that there was facts. There was evidence or enough perceived facts and evidence to probably make that pursuit, Joe, but that's where we run into what I just mentioned. So if I don't tell you guys what though, the punishment like, which is, which player
4: is the most guilty like Beltron for like well, introducing it.
1: Like, well, no, do you get,
4: do you get, do you get, uh, Bregman twenty games because he hit like had a worse split at home. No, no, that's more suspicious.
1: The whole, the whole. This is I said this from day one, from day one, and it rings true, and now more true than ever. Like it's like this. This is perfect for my entire stance. You were never going to be happy as a baseball fan. You were never going to be satisfied until you either a saw video footage of who the individuals were. Banging on the trash can, or if you heard from one of those players, a, yes, it was me, or B, a, it was that dude. That's the only way that you were ever going to be happy. ever, ever. There's no other solution brought to you other than that that satiates the rabid appetite for punishment from fans all across baseball. That is the only way is if you had Carlos Correa putting his hand up saying it was me or Carlos Correa pointing a finger at Jose Altuve or whoever it may have been, right? That's the only way you were going to be happy. And those answers were given.
2: There's no way they could have known that Evan Gaddis would one night get drunk and spill the beans on Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that dude was just like, here it is. I mean,
2: it. He, he just said that
4: they hit the trash can one time against the Yankees. Well, was that the playoffs? <clears throat>
1: Yeah, but see, was that the Evan, playoffs? If-
4: was he saying when Evan Gattis
2: said what was that game? But he's what he tweeted. He said he said that they were they have they were using the trash cans against CC. Uh But I mean, like they, he he they, that wasn't the first time. He one of the biggest things that's ever gone under the radar in baseball history was, I want to say it was twenty twenty one because I was, I think I was in a hotel for Coley's wedding. So it would have been the day before the MLB draft in the summer of 21. Evan Gaddis went on some random Houston Astros podcast and just explained everything that happened. And none of the audio made it mainstream. Like nothing made the rounds. Like for whatever reason, we didn't run with it or play it. But I don't think we had the soundboard back then. But he... He explained who did what and how it worked and all that shit on a
1: podcast. It's just like a no, literally a, a what do you small. Mean? Like he so so he said everything that I just asked for. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs>
2: like he went into I, detail.
1: He didn't. I, beat I find the bush. that I, I'm not. I'm not telling you that you're wrong. I would like to believe that if Evan Gaddis was like, look, it was Correa with the candlestick in the library. Um, someone's going to catch wind of that, and someone's going to make that public. So I would find it hard to believe that even after listening to this podcast, if that audio is yeah. out there, I'd like to think that audio is going to surface here sometime mm-hmm.
4: soon. Well, they wrote they wrote a whole book about. I mean, yeah, I feel like we Evan kind of did. yeah, Evan, the other Evan. There's a lot of information about Evan. this. I, I don't know, like. Because it's like you got, you, you, maybe you, we're not going to punish players, but if you could punish players, like, do you punish the guy who came up with it? Like, if everybody did it, are you going to suspend the whole team? Well, that's, it's, I think it seems- that's,
1: I think that's the, I think maybe that's the second guessing of the decision at this point is like, I guess I, I'd also like to know what spurred this thought, you know? Like why why is he rehashing this? You think, you this think Robs or... smoking that loud? <laughs> like why like what is what is going on where he's processing this stuff or he's thinking about this stuff? What brought it up to make him feel like, "You know what? It's Tuesday and I've had this on my mind for a while. Why didn't why didn't I punish those fucking guys? Why did I give them immunity?" You know, where is this coming from, I guess? I mean, I think it was hmm. just like it, it, the time interview was
3: a wide-ranging interview that was i think they probably just didn't rule that out as a as a topic as a, um, as a topic yeah cuz they talked about rule changes they talked about like the Diamond Sports Group stuff they talked about streaming they talked about like they once again talked about the Oakland A's um like this the Dodgers Pride Night stuff like it was all over the place so i think it was just oh, wow. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was like Rob sitting one there one day and be like, hmm, you know what I'm regretting these yeah. days. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the question was. <clears throat> well, there were two questions. One, the question was one thing you wish you had done over uh, by the interviewer, um, and that led him to say there were a few things, but uh, some of the decisions surrounding Houston. Um, and then the follow-up in the Houston sign healing situation, specifically, what do you regret? Um, and then they, he, he answers the question. Gotcha. Hmm.
2: I I respect him for answering it. Honestly, I'm I'm sure that there are plenty (laughs) of baseball executives that would have just stood by their guns because they know he's already been heavily criticized as it is. And now you're going to just openly say, Hey, one of the biggest decisions that has ever defined my legacy i wish i could have that one back actually like now you're just opening yourself up to more criticism which yeah well, i yeah i respect the honesty because i i think we would probably sit here and if if it were, if the shoe were on the other foot and he were asked the same question hey what's something that you want to have a do-over on and then he picked something that was minuscule or um just an I'd make the bags even. we bigger. would probably be sitting here yeah like it like if if we would probably sit here and be like really you wouldn't you wouldn't have done the the Houston thing a little bit differently um so yeah i I respect the so, honesty on it, but
1: and, and you know what, Jared, that also kind of gives you some some insight, and I think gives credence to the thought of he will answer the question even against at times probably some better advice to to maybe steer clear of some things or try to address things with a broader brush where he's like, you know what? No, uh, you're going to ask me the question. I'm going to give you a fucking answer. Rob Manfred may just be that dude who will let you play a stupid game so he could give you a stupid prize at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to ask, I'm going to answer. And that might not always bode well, but I think if you're just, again, trying to not crucify the guy and you're trying to maybe see some human elements there, That could be it. Like the fact that he's willing to openly acknowledge that this could have been differently, could have been done differently. I'm not going to call it a win, but it's, it's almost like you're seeing, like I said, the human side of, Oh, well, that, that probably wasn't my best hour. I'd like to do that over. If I could, I don't think I can at this point, so it's almost like moving forward, what does that do? Does that buy him credit with with the fans? Does that buy him credit with other players? Or is that now an even bigger step maybe in the wrong direction as far as optics with him, the fans and other players. Like, fuck, dude, we told you that probably wasn't the route to go when you were going that route. And now here we are later down the road. Well, do
2: you give him credit for being honest then? What's
1: it? Do you give him credit for it? Yeah, I that's yes, I I said so. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Do you think that that's the right answer? If you were to I, be in the interviewer's chair and you ask him what's the what's the one thing that you wish you had a do-over on, is it giving Astros players immunity?
1: I, yeah, at this point, I'm not sure. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I have my opinions about how the lockout went. I have my opinions about how the negotiations during the lockout went. Um, I have my opinions about how at times You know, the very reason that we wake up and put a uniform on in the morning has been dismissed. I've I've got my feelings about that. Um, But at the end of the day, if I'm going to ask you to be as open and honest with me as you can possibly be under the circumstances, and that's what you give me, then I would be a massive asshole to take issue with you giving me what I've just asked for, which is your open, honest answer and opinion on subject matters just like this because from there what do you want to do do you want to now spend the next week attacking rob manfred for for maybe doing something he would like to do over where does that get us as an industry so let's take the honesty and now let's hope that we can move forward and let's remind this individual of this moment in time where you don't always have to just stick to the guns that you think you're sticking to or that you have to Allow yourself some grace and allow yourself an opportunity to see this, whatever it may be, from a different perspective before you make a decision that you will again regret.
4: If he regrets this, it means that he that he knows that he has a player in his head or a few that he wants to suspend, wishes he suspended. And I want to ask him that: Who the fuck? Who is the baddest Astro of them all? Who do you want to <laughs> suspend, Mister Manfred? And let's see how honest he is then. If we're getting him credit for being honest, I will say, Mr. Manfred, thank you for your time. Who is the biggest scumbag in the Astros in 2017 and who do you want to suspend? Maybe it's Evan Gaddis. Who
1: do you maybe think, think he'd who? say? I
2: mean, you, you, <laughs> Evan Gaddis. Maybe it's Evan Gaddis. Cass- <laughs> you you've done a you've done a lot of research on this, Joe. Who do you think who do you think he would pick? I don't know. I guess I uh, the only it's one I be could think of it's Beltron, but didn't I mean he's the guy who kind of got
4: fu- only guy who got fucked for it really, other than Hinch in terms what of mean, like actually No
1: no stop stop Laura. other than Hinch? Are you talking about okay. other than the manager of a baseball team right now? Like, no, nobody yeah. got fucked. Nobody got fucked.
4: Oh, uh, a people bit punished.
1: No, no, no. Uh, Beltron, to your point. And he gets nobody fired got fucked. He got fired. Who? Beltron? hinch and what and is aj hinch, hinch doing a today again. joey what is aj hinch doing today well not managing the Astros. beltran
4: never he's managing the beltran shitty ass got tigers got job and again. not to,
1: <laughs> no that, that's why i said would've... no nobody outside of beltran in this instant got fucked that was the phrase that they got fucked no 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 i will not stand for not for one minute will i hear that either other individual got fucked when they are managing a baseball team right now. I'm not telling you that they shouldn't be. Let's get that abundant. Uh, well, Jeff Lunau, it out. It out, Jeff Jay, Lunau Jay. I believe,
2: has still not worked. Yeah, believe it. Out. Uh, Jeff Lunau has not worked in baseball since. Lunau.
3: Okay. Pinch. Uh, kind of. I mean, Jeff Lunau may be the least sympathetic character involved in the entire cheating scandal.
1: Yeah, so so like as far as yeah. getting fucked, no, he got punished. <laughs> he got punished is what happened. He got punished. He didn't get fucked. This he is got a dumb punished.
2: semantics thing that you're doing. <laughs> Who, he got it, fucked. It's semantics. Dude, fu- fired, not fucked. No, I just fire. think it's
1: absolutely <laughs> bananas to think that somebody got punished for their involvement has a job now and it can well, still yeah. be looked at as them getting fucked. What? Well, dude, think <laughs> no about got a think about deal
4: managing. Here. The Astros compared to managing the Tigers. Like to me, you got fucked, bro. You gotta manage well, the Well, think Tigers about now.
1: managing in general or not ever managing again. What would be worse?
4: I don't know, man. The Tigers. I don't know, man. The
1: Tigers
2: seems pretty bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. got hosed. But that's, yeah. Interesting. Outside of like well, especially, especially when the other two guys do have jobs in baseball are managers of baseball teams and the third guy who was all set to be a manager of a baseball team is no longer even an option so out of anybody involved i got to figure that, that situation-
2: beltran has had the option to though i feel like beltran is not one of the, i don't think he's blackballed i think he's more probably at this point embarrassed he probably doesn't want to uh draw more intention for like his hall of fame candidacy like he got outed in the astros thing and he was supposed to be the Mets manager. Gets fired before he can manage a single game. Has not resurfaced since outside of some uh, booth media appearances. Um, so, yeah, I, I I, would have to think he's trying to lay low, at least until he gets into the Hall of Fame. Then he can pop back up and be like, I'm ready to manage again. Like, I, You don't think that Beltran's blackballed, do you?
1: Um, oh. Hmm. No, it's, uh, it's tough because trust me, I've thought about that whole Hall of Fame thing. And and it's it's funny because it's it's crazy to think that he has to lay low so that that could take place so that that can run its course, his Hall of Fame candidacy potential election. And then on the other side of that, once that happens, he would then be openly allowed and embraced and welcomed back into the forefront of the game. So right now, don't even go public. Don't say anything. Don't try to attach yourself to any trailer right now. Lay low. Well, why? I want to be a part of baseball. I want, yeah, I just, eh, that could affect your future. (laughs) eh. So instead, let's wait to put you in the most hollowed hall of possible the Hall of Fame, and then once we do that, and we can overlook all of this stuff that we're afraid of you involving yourself in right now, then we can re, re- you know, then we can <clears throat> can have that conversation about you coming back. Like that's what,
4: hmm. yeah, yeah. If you read that, if you read the, you read want, the book that, about it, it like the Evangelic book, it makes like like Beltron is like the guy they kind of pin it on, as according to all the. Uh, out of all the players, at least.
1: Well, like Jared said, out outside, or, As I Jer- Jared mentioned Lou but there's nobody else involved in this that isn't where they ultimately want to be outside of Carlos Beltran. Everybody else is right where they want to be on the baseball field. Employed in Major League mm-hmm. Baseball outside of Carlos Beltran. And old Lou Yeah. And Evan Gattis. No, I think he's yeah. right where well, he I mean, all he did—it's not
2: like he, he yeah. Uh, Beltran didn't get suspended; he just got fired, yeah. like Cora and and Hinch AJ got, got fired, got and then immediately got jobs the second that they were eligible. Mm-hmm. So unless, well, and that's unless whatever the 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 back channels in Major League Baseball. I'm, a lot of people talk. I'm sure a lot of people have information there. Uh so it's like oh man if he's the ringleader i think that that's the more heavy implication it's like is he laying low because of his hall of fame candidacy or are people in baseball circles now saying like oh uh like you know we we can rehire someone that maybe had something to do with it but do we want the mastermind
1: on our payroll yeah well those are those uh-huh. are because you're going to have to answer those questions inevitably right sooner or later when that first yeah. initial press conference comes you know, was there any thought about the involvement or potential involvement of Mr. Beltron during the managerial interview process? How do you expect him to handle questions like this? And it's like, OK, great. We were here to introduce our manager. Is this what we're doing? So, uh, yeah, that's what we're doing because we
2: haven't been able Someone's to, talk to chicken nuggets are done. <laughs> uh, also, I think when you're when you're doing the interview process and you're you're talking to other candidates to fill this managerial void. How do you look them in the face and tell them that that guy is more qualified than you?
3: Cause he was smart enough to develop well, a high level cheating system that produced a world series title <laughs> and you know, Bob. a dominant dominant <laughs> offensive run. Yeah. That's the type of brain I want yeah. on my team. If we can, yeah. if we can clean it up a little. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can go a little more undetected this time. That would be huge. <laughs>
3: lessons learned, man. But Come on. As I've
2: said before, I I, I'm not like a Astros cheating hater. I'm more just fascinated by it. Like there's no persecution in my voice when I talk about this subject. I'm more just interested and curious and fascinated that it took place. Like it's still mind blowing to me that it's something that happened.
1: And answer and answer this, Jared. If you had names and specific involvement. And the level of involvement attached to each one of those names already, you wouldn't ever think about this again. You would just know it would be fact, and then you would move on. You would never harbor very
2: Stanford prison experiment type shit, where like, Mm -hmm. because I've heard guys talk about that, where they're saying, you know, Beltran walks in the clubhouse and that dude tells you this is what's up this is what we're doing and people just fall into line because who's going to check him who who's going to say actually guy we're we're yeah. not doing this okay yep. like that it's very just hey the uh the inmates are running the asylum right now and you're either going to fall in line or you're an outcast on this team um yeah I, I the movie again i I'm shocked did you see that there's already a documentary about this fucking titanic uh, submarine coming out tonight. Like the, the fuck they haven't even fucking found it yet. We don't even know the status of these people. Documentary is coming out tonight. And we I'm, we still don't have a Houston Astros cheating scandal movie. What the fuck?
3: Well, I think that documentary is coming out because that CEO did a lot of talking before going down into the ocean and unfortunately I don't think that that documentary is going to reflect well on him now. Uh so be careful what you, Be careful what you wish for on how quickly documentaries are turned around on you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, man, the parallels of the Titanic. I mean, people keep, you know, they forget that the Titanic was unsinkable. Now you get this CEO being like, we're going to the Titanic. There's a 0% chance this thing's going to fuck up. We are the most indestructible submarine to ever visit the Titanic.
1: How about the guy? How about the guy that had, that had taken a trip on it. That's come out and be like, it took us fucking almost three times to get down there. Like the fucking, there was, there was water sealing that was breaking there was electrical issues that were fucking up, like almost immediately into one of our dives. We had to turn around because shit wasn't working. But eventually we got down there. And it's like, hold on. What the fuck? Eventually you got down there. So you ran into three different scenarios where the submersible you were in just was not going to work. And you're like, yeah, let's give it another shot. Fuck it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, Dallas is correct. The James Cameron submarine costs like... Why do you keep calling it a submersible? It's a fucking submarine, dude. <laughs> Trying to fucking act like you're a doctor or something. You get a PhD. <laughs> uh, submersible. Yeah, the submersible could get down. It's a fucking submarine. Shut the fuck up. Uh, but I'm, the James I'm Cameron from, submarine a, did cost millions. Co- so I'm issuing an apology. Did, I stand corrected. Uh, Dallas was right.
3: But by the way, also on the James Cameron submarine, I saw uh, an image showing the relative depths of where the titanic sits versus where james cameron got to child's play Mm. the titanic stuff is nothing james cameron went to like the molten core of the earth (laughs) no i'm serious he went to like the bottom of the mariana trench or whatever it is it's like the it's like the deepest any person is part of the, the ocean yeah that any any human being has ever been that was him james cameron
1: what
2: totally the fuck different did level. you do that for? That was not. what like, like, all
1: spurred, It spurred off of this, off of his travel to the yeah. to the Titanic. He was then like, oh, like like so the story I told to you. The depths
2: is what you are saying.
1: Yes, the story that I told you about the Rolex, about the watch, the <laughs> Sea Dweller. Like that's a that's a real story. They they strapped the prototype to this watch on one of James Cameron's submarines and sent it down with him to test the depth viability because because he was going down like because the watch is the watch is viable to up to twenty eight or 12,800 feet I believe yeah 3,900 he's meters. a fucking
2: depth junkie James Cameron James Cameron got a taste of the Titanic and he this first question when he came back up had nothing to do with the Titanic he was just
1: like how more. much deeper can we go? Yep, he's you, like fucking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I could see James Cameron right now cruising in his one man submersible, just fucking doing barrel rolls at Some the man. bottom of the Mariana's Trench, listening to Adele, rolling yeah. in the deep. deep. His and thing was the called the Deep life.
3: Sea Challenger. It was like a <laughs> literal deep sea challenge. He was like, "I'm gonna go yeah. as deep." Fuck as I you, God,
1: God! You can't make it deep enough. <laughs> I'm inside you.
3: That's
2: uh, <laughs> I love James Cameron. I can't wait to see that that documentary tonight. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna, it's gonna be quite the, the the experience. You can't buy tickets to go to the Titanic at this moment, but you can buy tickets to games uh buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets with their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have not this weekend but next weekend i will be in chicago wrigley field guards i'm gonna see the guards and the cubs so i'm using uh game time right now to get some tickets to that series forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, uh, theater, and more. Game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you can know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Download the GameTime app. Create an account. Use the promo code Jared for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D, for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, Before I get a jet out of here, uh, I did... I did um, want to say... That yesterday, when I was interviewing the players that uh, I had mentioned, Bryce Eldridge was first. Enrique Bradfield was second. Max Clark and Blake Mitchell; these are all first round dudes. Um, Max Clark, this kid had an entourage. He had a sea of fans that were following him around. There is a YouTube video that was calling him like the most viral uh, player or prospect in the draft is 100% true. And you would think because I was going over his numbers, Hmm. he hit 646 this year and he throws 99 off the mound, 18 years old, good looking kid. I was like, he he's got to be cocky. Nope. He was very humble, uh, very professional. He was, he was very, um, polished is the word. Like when I'm asking him these questions, he's responding like a, like a big league vet would. Um, I was very impressed, but yeah, I think I've seen some mock drafts where he'll go as high as four. Joe, I feel like you're, you're in the YouTube, the baseball, YouTube world. What do you what do you got on Max Clark? I thought he'd be good number one. He's the most viral. He should be number one. <laughs> <laughs> well. I think what was it? Keith Law said that if he was in last year's draft, that he would have been a one-one. Ooh, they're they're preying on his downfall.
4: Damn, he'll be motivated. I think they're just saying that this this draft has more talent. Ooh, I like all the kids in the draft mm. this year. I, I, I if it was up to me, I'd draft them all. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. But
1: Jared, was uh, was it confirmed for you that you just do not want any part of these high school kids coming in? Say that again. Was <laughs> it confirmed for you that you just do not want any part of these high school kids coming in? Like how you how you wouldn't go? Oh yeah, and, and- <laughs> oh yeah,
2: yeah like yeah these kids like i was watching some of their bp um they've got like 111 exit velos off the bat mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's it's god given i mean like Woody's, there there's this one kid in there there's this one kid in there uh lanky like he had chicken legs he's got wiry arms tall he's a tall motherfucker Leverage, Leverage um, baby but in there looking like he he's 16 years old and just walloping baseballs effortlessly uh and yeah the exit velos were like a buck 10 plus and i'm like talking to um one of the guys over there like one of the scouts down there and i was like oh he must be like a uh, first round he's like yeah i don't think he's gonna get taken this year <laughs> i was like what <laughs> so you've just got these kids that i mean the talent is off the charts and it's stupid i think what i was just most impressed by is how polite and nice and kind they all were versus like if i had that kind of talent when i was 18 i would have been the biggest piece of shit of all time like i just would have been absolutely like nothing about any of their vibes gave off fraudulence like they weren't like pretending to be humble they just were like it like i can detect that like if you're fake nice or if you're just like playing a character of a nice person i can detect that uh all these kids were just like happy to be there just like confident no doubt sure they're comfortable in their own skin they're confident in their ability but none of them gave off the impression like i'm better than you and i know it
1: Well, good. I think that's a a testament to hopefully the way that they have been raised and their coaches as well, because that's a lot to handle as a young athlete being on that kind of stage, being placed on that pedestal locally. No doubt, wherever you're coming from, you know, this is that's why combines perfect game events, things like that. Like this is the best of the best of the best, right? That's what the big leagues is comprised of is your all stars, all stars. And as you start to creep up through these ranks and you come here and we're talking about starting your professional career, everybody hears the best all-star on their all-star team. And there's a certain amount of like moxie that kind of comes along with that. So it's really nice to hear that there isn't the pungent odor of look at me that I think you can get from social media. And especially when you're referring to one of the guys who's potentially the most viral presence. In this draft being somebody that's fairly grounded that's that's good to hear yeah
2: it was uh it was great um I was kind of like a like the kid Blake mitchell i fan for life fan for life we inter I interviewed him for like all the interviews were like two minutes like I probably asked like three questions max to each each guy um but I got to talk to Blake Uh, because he was my last interview yesterday we probably talked for like an hour um down on the field like talking about you know the team usa stuff like who he played against who he played with like some of these other kids that are going to be in the draft and just had a ton of information and like he's a catcher so uh, he he just he had mental notes on everybody and uh it was just fascinating to talk to someone like that that's that he was born in 2004 dude He was born. I was like, bro, I was was a sophomore in high school. Like I have actual like baseball memories, like going to Fenway and and, like when you were when you were just born. Um, I was in fucking low (laughs) way. Like some of these kids, they are. They're going to be first round draft picks this year, and they were born when I was in high school. The Red Sox were winning the fucking World Series in 2004. These kids were just taking their first breaths of oxygen. Uh, I know it's a sensitive subject today, uh, talking about taking breaths of oxygen, but it needed to be said. Um, so yeah, I I think you know I think the the MLB Combine, uh, it's serving its purpose. If you if you tuned in and you watched it on MLB Network uh i think you can see like it gives you rooting interest at least for like i'm the one asking the questions but if i was the one watching at home you have an idea what their personality is like you can probably sit there uh as a fan and now on draft day be like i remember that kid or like yeah like i i i heard some of his answers what he had to say and now i'm excited for him before like i've watched the draft in years past and you sit there and like they're like oh, you know, like fucking the 23rd pick is so-and-so, and and then you just you feel nothing, because you're like, I don't know who that is. Like, I've never heard of that person before.
1: But now... I I think what this does for baseball differently than it does for football, too, is football fans, they can watch the combine, and then they can see the draft position, and you can almost bear out the impact of this player on your team. Because that guy's going to be on 18 next year. He's not going to be a part of the team. You're not going to have to follow up how he's doing on the practice squad for three years. Like that guy's going to go from running the 40 to returning kicks or running a fucking nine route, taking the top off the defense. That's going to be how that guy plays out. So in baseball, what it provides them and baseball fans is a glimpse at the start because there's no doubt when these guys get called up what's going to happen they're going to be able on MLB network to play clips of their rounds of BP at the combine of their bullpen at the combine mm-hmm. right so many years ago here's what it was when he entered here's where it's at now and it's just an awesome tool to utilize to you know it's like a time capsule to take fans back to when it started and now here in the present day all right well while Jared is entering the stream of flight you you should also be entering the streaming situation and when it comes to streaming the first draft pick the first one of one overall this guy was banging balls at the combine what's his name max that's that's who it is <laughs> max has the best entertainment for whatever mood whatever mood you're gonna find yourself in for me sometimes drama my go-to right now secession we've been talking about this Sometimes superhero movies. Joe, you're a big Shazam guy, right? I know this. Nah. Batman, Shazam, they got it all. Some days, maybe I want to check out what it's like to try to fix a hot water heater. I don't know, little fixer upper, little renovation job. That's what fixer uppers for. Well, welcome home, hometown. The list goes on and on. Hour later, I might crave something like comedy. Maybe I want to laugh. Curb your enthusiasm. You ever heard of it? Duh. Big Bang Theory. You into planets, Joe? I know you're into Uranus, And if I'm watching with my family, we love classics like Max, original Sesame Street. Girls love Sesame Street. Huge fan of Big Bird. Jay, Isla fan of Big Bird? Oh, yes.
3: Yes. Yep. And Knew Elmo.
1: It. Knew it. Mm-hmm. And Elmo. Let's tickle him, too. Uh, the, the original series, Gremlins, Secrets of the M- Mogwai. I mean, there's a whole lot going on. Don't wait to pick the best of streaming entertainment with Max. Something for every mood you're in. Anytime, it's always a W. Always a W. You know that first-round draft picks hit all of the time, every time. Make Max your first-round draft pick. Remember, plans start as little as 9.99 a month. Max, it is the one to watch. Remember, subscription is required, so visit max.com. I think now we're going to go ahead and bring this to an end. Jay, do we have some final thoughts? Um, Before we get to your final thoughts, I just wanted to highlight the Cincinnati Reds. Nice little 11-game run they're on right now. Uh, 10th through the 21st. From June 10th through the 21st, the Cincinnati Reds have compiled a collective 3.65 ERA. We talked about the starting staff and what that looked like. Well, they're sitting at a 4.01 ERA for the starters. Bullpen, a little better. 3.16 ERA during that time. Uh, The boys are hitting 260 collectively. That's good for 13th in baseball. Uh, During this stretch, they have hit 18 homers. That's third, tied with Texas. They've been swinging it well. They do have 15 stolen bases as a group. So they're making shit happen on the base path as well as banging the ball out of the yard. Uh, that is tied for second with the Oakland A's or the running in Estuary Ruiz's, if you will. And they have scored 68 runs during that time. That is the third most runs in baseball over that 11-game span. So that is how it's getting done for the Cincinnati Reds. Jay, you got some nugs popping up in the oven. Yep. Uh,
3: Giants 10-game win streak, plus 49 over that stretch. Uh, I want to call out two individuals in particular, Tyro Estrada, uh, now tied for seventh in the NL among position players in wins above replacement. Um, Maybe the most under-the-radar high-end season going on right now. Some of that is defensive, so it's not surprising it's under the radar, but nevertheless, and uh, the great Lamonti Wade Jr., as I like to call him, 415 on base percentage. Uh, The only guy in Major League Baseball ahead of him is Luis Arise. Oh, he tied with Juan Soto. Late night Lamont. Yeah, that's right. Um, And uh, let's see the Rockies. Now let's go to the negative side because, you know, I like to do that. Uh, The Rockies, it's been flying under the radar because the fucking buckos keep losing. But uh, the Rockies themselves have an eight-game losing streak and are 5-18 and 18 over the last 23 games. They've been outscored by 36 runs over that eight-game losing streak. So they have sunk like a stone, uh, kind of like we thought they were. Sometimes it takes time for these things to work themselves out. Uh, Mention the Pirates. Their losing streak reached nine straight games with yet another loss to the Cubs yesterday, 8-3. to three. Uh, They've scored five total runs in five games. They have been outscored by 43 runs over the nine-game losing streak. Uh, they are now down to the third worst run differential overall in the NL on the season. Their bullpen has posted a 9.62 ERA during the nine game losing streak. So the bullpen letting them down uh, and they've hit somehow 078 with runners in scoring position during the nine game losing streak. They are four for 51 with runners in scoring position. So That's a good brand of baseball to watch. And then uh, final note. Uh, Sandy Alcantara had another rough start last night the reigning NL Cy Young winner seven innings pitched five earned runs um, it was speculated i think we mentioned it on the podcast that it's possible that he would be impacted by uh, the shift rules and to some oh, yeah. extent that does that does seem to be going on his overall mm-hmm. batting average on balls in play is up 33 points from where it was last season from 2.62 to 2.95 his batting average on balls in play on sp- Ground ball specifically is up 60 points from where it was last season. And then this doesn't maybe have so much to do with the shift, or maybe it does, but uh, batters are hitting 403 against Alcantara with runners in scoring position this year. That mark was 233 last year, so 170 points difference. And that 403 for context, that's 32 points higher than the next worst starting pitcher this year. So it's not even close. He's on a completely different level uh, than any other pitcher in baseball right now. Um, I'm not really sure if the ground ball stuff can be
1: fixed. Yes. I think I'm just going to tell you. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it can be fixed, but dive into the pull side stuff, too. Um, Yeah, it is. I looked at it. It's pull side ground balls
3: is like 48 percent batting averages up. Or forty eight points of batting average from last year,
1: so that's that's yeah. something too. Um, mm-hmm, yeah, it's not good. Because I did, I did a because when we were there, I did a deep dive on that, and I was fucking blown away. I wish I had that in my notes right now. I left that fucking book at home. But dude, that was like that was that it was astonishingly obvious that that is what's happening. That the shift is undoubtedly impacting Alcantara right now. Undoubtedly, it's look it's almost like he and Seeger are the prime examples of what the shift could do and what the shift could take away. That's, that's the other, that's the thing we've, we haven't really talked
3: about. And we would, this would be a conversation we would say for when everybody's here, but like the rules, how we, we all love them, right? But it has done real things to how players are being evaluated too. like, yes, the high end examples are, are Alcantara and Seeger. But then you also have the idea that like catchers who are able to, th- who have strong throwing arms, who are able to throw out runners are probably more valuable than they were a year or two ago, right? Because Absolutely. teams had deprioritized stolen bases offensively. So why would you prioritize it from a catcher? And then all of a sudden it's valuable or more valuable again. It's, it's interesting. I'm, I'll, I'm inter- And then, you know, the speculation that the pitch clock has led to arm injuries or injuries in general for pitchers. I've seen information on both sides of that debate. Um, I'm not smart enough to know which is correct, but uh, th- that would be an interesting thing to look back on this offseason at some point.
1: Well, what's, what's yeah, really I'd nice...
4: Just, oh, go ahead, Joe. I'm just saying yeah, defense. Defense and steals, I feel like, would be like the biggest potential X factor. I would like to see that. Like, Are the teams that are fucking bad at defense in last place right now? All of them? I don't. I never looked at it, but could be.
1: Well, what 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 this what this running thing does is because I've had a real fear of the automated strike system impacting the catcher position and how valuable that that is, right? Because pitch framing goes by the wayside, and that's a massive, massive skill set. Quite like if you can do that. They almost don't give a shit whether or not you even take a bat with you up to the plate. They don't care if you can steal strikes and you can control the running game. Now you are as valuable as you've ever been in the catching position. I love that. Absolutely love that because we're getting away from going down a road where that position was going to be really powered by offensive productivity, which is what makes JT real Muto and guys like Salvador Perez sort of unicorn-esque because of what they've been able to do offensively and defensively combined. And you've almost been okay with getting one or the other from that position, understanding you're never really going to get both. But now that the demand is there, the position maintains the need to be as well-rounded as possible. Because if you can't control the running game in a day and age where we've got the clock and guys are running like crazy, you're now a liability. And if you can't do that, well, you better, you better be bringing something to the table offensively. And if you can't do that, you're playing the wrong fucking position now. And I like the idea that that's still the case until we entertain the automated strike zone, which I, again, have reservations on. But I think that's that's nice to see how it's going to impact or could impact that position. Uh, what do you got, Joe? You got you got any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to cap it off with?
4: Well, I just Jay has said a lot, but Sandy Alcant. How do you say his fucking name? Alcantara?
1: Because everyone a, says
4: it, it's just not spelled that way.
1: Not not C H, like Alcantara. So Terra Terra Alcantara. Alcantara. Sandy Alcant. Yeah, so it's it's he's, almost like you're saying it together, but you're not. Alcantara.
4: You know what else? That was my final thought. <laughs> Tell me. (laughs) I'm kinda sad to admit this. I don't know if I if this is gonna be like, oh, you're fucking you're freaking dumbass or you're uh what? But like dude, I obviously I'm the stat I'm the stat guy. I know all the stats (laughs) and I dive into them and I know I find all these cool not I wouldn't say nuggets, that's jay Hayes thing, but I find cool (laughs) stats and I know all the numbers and stuff. And I've always (laughs) been an OPS guy, always loved OPS. On base plus slugging. I already, I always knew it meant on base plus slugging. I had no idea until like last week. They just add up your on base percentage and slugging to get that number. I didn't know that. I thought it was like an (laughs) algorithm.
1: That's astounding. No, no, no. Jay, Jay, just let's just let's just fucking absorb this right now.
4: I thought they were just, you know, I was like slugging. Like, how do they come up with slugging? I don't know, but I know if it's a good one, you know, there's some calculation. There's a oh. great, you got to get a, a chalkboard out and enter the variables, and you get the, the chalk. Hold
3: on, hold on. The chalkboard equation for slugging percentage is just total bases <laughs> and at bats.
4: Yeah, well, that's easy for some people. That's harder for others. Like,
3: oh.
4: <laughs> I can't do. I can't do slugging percentage. You can in my brain, maybe. Well, well,
3: maybe not in your brain, but you can easily with a calculator. It's just two numbers.
4: I don't have a calculator <laughs> on me, so I'm just th- I'm just put it out there. I'm sure a lot of viewers maybe didn't know. Ops was literally on base plus slugging, just how it says.
3: All right. I,
1: mean, the-
3: <laughs> I bet a lot of the view. Sure. I bet a lot of the listeners and viewers did. <laughs>
1: Mm-mm. Oh my god.
3: Mm-hmm. We'll do Joy, a poll. I love
4: you. I had no idea.
3: Hey, I don't wh- think we should we're... do a poll. I think that would be bad
1: <laughs> credibility from the <laughs> account. <laughs> what What did you What was the moment in time that you were like Oh, ho- hold on. Hold on. Are you fucking <laughs> telling me these things add up? <laughs> Are you telling me that it's been here the entire time? like what was what was that moment what when you read what were you looking up what happened when you were like holy
4: shit i don't know i don't know i might have been like (laughs) i might have been listening to something or saw something but i think it took me i've been sitting on it for a while like i didn't i didn't (laughs) want to say it out loud because I was part of me was thinking, I bet nobody knows this shit. I bet nobody knows. Like they we're just all going off these numbers. It's if it's an eight, it's kind of good. Seven, you're, you know, and then nine, you're really good. If, but I all these other stats, they just throw stats at you all the time, and then you just figure out which ones are what number has to be a good number for you to be a good player. You know, and OPS kind of was just like I know war. War's not really war, you know? There's yeah. no killing.
1: There's yeah, no for sure. wins above
4: you... six <laughs> games. You know, it's not like if you win six games and the replacement player he didn't play a game, so then your team, you know, you don't get six wins because your team won six wins. OPS is just, it's, it's, uh, if you guys don't know about OPS, look it up and, uh, that's my final <laughs> thought. Get into it. <laughs> Because you learn something new every day. <laughs> Next week we'll do about OPS plus. Because when you start talking about OPS plus, it gets even fucking
3: crazier. Oh my.
1: Best baseball pot on the planet. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for every bit of that. All right. Well, I think that'll. I think that'll put a bow on it. Uh. Yeah, that was that was fantastic, Joe. Uh, Shohei Otani is an absolute god. That's about all I got. Uh, We will see you next week. Well.